actually. I, I just need Ed to come. We're gonna, Ed's going to kick off this morning. We're going to kind of tag team this morning. So Ed's going to start the tag, and I guess he's it. So I'll pass him the baton. Hey, I, but but there's, if, you're, if you're visiting this morning, welcome. We're so glad you came and worshiped with us. Um, in, in the pockets in front of you, there's a visitor card. Or if you've been here a few times but realize we probably don't have any information on you, we'd love to get some information. So if you want to fill out a visitor card, and then our way I can stick it just in the tithes and offering boxes um, when you leave. That would be great. We'd love to be able to connect with you. Here's Edward. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Whoa. Hello. Hello. This is a quick little intro there. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I believe this morning God has a message for us, uh, for all of us here. And uh, like Pastor Rob said, we're going to tag team each other. And that typically means if you're, any, if you're used to wrestling at all, that means once the person gets beat up enough by the other people, then they tag their partner and they come in and get beat up as well. So hopefully <laughs> we don't get too beat up here in all of this. But uh, this morning, um, I'm really excited because I have a bunch of, of our youth here from IYG this morning. Um, raise your hand if you're from Illinois Youth Group. All right. Great. I wouldn't. Yeah. Awesome. Good to see you guys. Uh, and the message that I, that I want to bring to you this morning is, is cross-generational. So I believe we could all relate to it, um, especially the youth. And, uh, well, especially all of us. Let's just put it that way. How about that? But as we get started this morning, let's pray. Father, this morning. We're excited about what you are, uh, who you are, and what you've done for us, God, and, and what you have for us, not only individually, but as a, as a, as a congregation, as the body of Christ, and, and where you're taking us, you know, God, from glory to glory, and moving us into um, new experiences and new um, visions, new callings uh, for each one of us, Lord, and, and we need your, your strength to help us to step out in faith, Lord God. So this morning, would you come and breathe on, on, on the message this morning between Rob and myself, and uh, have your way, God, ultimately, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, real quick, let me start off with a question. If you could know the will of God for your life this morning, right now, from beginning to end, who would want to know that? Anybody? There's a few of us in here. Good. A couple of you guys might be hesitant because you're thinking, that might freak me out. <laughs> uh, if I knew every step I'd make, and um, from where you were born, you know, to, to what would happen the next second or the next year, how you would die, whose lives would be affected because of you, good or bad, do you think your life would be considered epic if you knew the whole thing? Epic. I mean, I hear that word epic, and I go, I, I think of a Kevin Costner movie, really. <laughs> I mean, does he do anything but epics, you know, or R Russell Crowe, but... Uh, but let me change the question real quick for a second. Do you think that God wants you to know your end story right now? Yeah. And why is that? I, I, yeah, he wants us to trust him. Yeah, it's okay. I, you know, in youth group, I, I'm very personable. I, I call out questions and the answer. And so it's okay, youth. If you want to answer, go for it. I'm afraid of the adults, though. So just go ahead. <laughs> no, um, but you're, you're right. Yeah, we, he wants us to trust him. And he doesn't want us to know our ultimate goal, I believe, because we haven't experienced the steps that would take us to the next step that would take us to our end means, if you, if you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. <laughs> but right now you haven't experienced that. But, but when you get there, you can look back and you can say, oh, that's, 
that's why I went through that. I mean, how, how many of you now have already experienced that? You can look back in your life and go, ah, that's what God had in mind. <laughs> that's so hard, though, right now in the moment, right, uh, when you're in it. In Luke uh, 16, 10, Jesus is saying this. Let's see if we can get this working here. Uh, Oh, yes, Uh, hit escape and then do that thing I just told you about, Susan. But we'll catch her up here in a second. Whoever can, in Luke 16, 10, if you're there in your Bibles, that's fine. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And, you know, like what Pastor Jeff just said a little bit ago, he said, uh, context, or uh, um, what was it? A a text taken out of context is only pretext. Wow. <laughs> and there's a lot behind the story. It's, it talks about the shrewd manager in your Bibles. Um, actually, this isn't the scripture that I want. It's, maybe somebody can jump, help run back there and help her get to the first screen on that for me. Thank you. <clears throat> We're back. We're there. All right. Let's see if I have control now. This is, this is new. We're just getting this thing moving. Okay. Did you go back to playback mode? Screen mode? It's all right. We'll get there. Technical stuff, isn't it great? I love it. Once you're in playback mode, you won't have control, just so you know. Yay, we're there. All right, sound guys, bless you. You know, you're built for greatness, and you're on your way there. We have to, we have to really trust in God when we come to these points. You know, he's taking you there. Who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. So it's, it's almost like he's testing us, and we... We go there, and, and a lot of times we go through these things in these moments in lives, and we, we say, God, why are you testing me in this? And um, sometimes we, we blame God for things that really aren't God's fault, I think. We go, you, know, you know what? It, I don't think it's God's fault that uh, maybe somebody pulled out a gun and shot, shot somebody. I, that's just, God's not like that. <laughs> I don't believe he is. But if you're like me, you like those kind of movies out there that, that make you that they make you think about the, the hypothetical or the rhetorical questions out there in life, right? The, uh, the movie's kind of like the It's a Wonderful Life. Let's see if we can get there again. I had the video. The, there we go. And yeah, Wonderful Life, uh, the best Christmas Carol remake of all time, The Muppets Christmas Carol. But uh, and that's my opinion. But these are the things that pose the what-if questions of life, right? You, you, you get to thinking about these things. It makes us stop. And t- for a split second, for a split second of time, and make us wonder, what would, what would be different if I had done such and such differently, right? The questions of fate arise because we want to try and manipulate this life in our minds so that we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we have some kind of control over the uncontrollable. <laughs> Which is, a, is, in a sense, is, it's what we do. We have a free will, right? We believe we have a free will. And we, have ch- and we do have choices to make that change that, in our, that can change the future of our own lives and those around us. But here's the thing. I think that our choices don't surprise God in the slightest. The choices that we make, the choices that others make, he knows what we're going to do before we make them, before we even do it. So we have control, but if we're submitted to God, it's not out of his control. And that's what's known as the mystery of God. He was, he is, he'll ever be. He knows the past, the present, and the future. He's not the ghost of the Christmas carol. <laughs> He's not the angel, what was his name? Uh, Clarence? Clarence, uh, yeah. But I believe that when we make choices and, and we fall or we make a, a bad mistake, God doesn't go, oh, no, Ed messed up. Now what am I going to do? You know, he has 
ultimate control. And we have to trust in him in that. There's a book out there by a guy named Donald Miller. Some of you guys may have heard of this guy. He's uh, probably recognized his name from uh, the movie Blue Like Jazz, which came out last year. Uh, it's based off of the book that he wrote. And then he wrote another book after that, uh, saying his, uh, talking about his experience, um, right, uh, making the movie from this book. It's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. He's a really funny guy. I love the way he writes. But he shares about how two movie producers approached him and made a fil- about making a film about his life. And, of course, he was thrilled about the idea, especially when the producers promised to pay him a ton of money. But the only catch was that they told him, very br- bluntly, that his real life was just too boring. <laughs> So, <laughs> and that they would have to make changes to help, you know, pick up things and, and turn this into an entertaining movie. <laughs> so in the process of writing the script, Miller came to this powerful realization that the things that make a movie great are the same things, and that's, are the same things that make a life great. The things that make a character great are the same things that make a real life person great. Ultimately, it all comes down to the size of the conflict a person is willing to face. Wow. <laughs> kind of makes us take that for a second. What kind of conflict are we willing to face? Uh, for example, if there was a movie about someone who just really, really wanted an iPod or um, the new iPhone, and in the last scene they, they, they're, they're seen walking out of Walmart and there's this you know, beautiful music playing and the credits start to roll, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> That'd be a pretty dumb movie, right? <laughs> okay. Or what if there was a movie about out there about a guy whose ultimate goal in life is make the perfect grilled cheese sandwich, and at the end of the movie, he sits down at the table with his grilled cheese sandwich and a bowl of tomato soup, and he tips it in, and he takes a bite, and it starts oozing off the side of his face, and the the music plays and the, the credits roll. It's a dumb movie, right? It, it wouldn't have <laughs> Most likely, everybody in the audience would probably already be asleep because it's boring. But in Miller's book, he says that at one point, he turned to the movie producers and he said, guys, is this going to be a good movie? And, of course, they said yes. And then he asked again, is this going to be, how about this, is it going to be a great movie? And they said yes. And then he asked, <laughs> they got a little cocky and said, do you think this movie's going to win an Oscar? <laughs> they turned to him and said, no, sorry, only epic movies make Oscars. Um, so the obvious next question then would be what? What does it take for a movie to be an epic movie? And they responded to that in, a, in an epic movie. If the main character doesn't overcome their conflict, then every then either they or other people are going to die. In other words, there's there are there are life and death consequences if the hero doesn't succeed in their mission. Uh, so turn with me this morning to Psalms 139 in your Bible. It's a very familiar psalm to a lot of us. is very heavy. I think it's going to shrink my stand. (laughs) We're going to start in verse 13. This is one of my my favorite scriptures growing up as a child. In every Bible I ever had, I highlighted the whole whole thing. But uh, let's start in verse 13. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb, and I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written, the day's fashion for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts towards me, O God. How great is the sum of them. 
If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sands. And when I am awake, I am still with you. What a, a pleasant script, scripture to read and, and have by our sides when we're walking through the valley, you know, and the things we don't know about what's happening in life. Did God know this was going to happen? And it, we have to just trust in him and say, God, you're, you're walking with me. You're there with me. And do you know, though, that, that God does have an epic plan for your life? He does. No matter where you're at this morning, he has a plan for your life. And did you, what, did you further know that it means that you, that you can't mess it up? <laughs> you could take a detour, but God knew that you would do that. One of the issues that we have with God, though, is that we, we think that, we can, that, that he can be unjust in our circumstances. But I have to tell you, if, if you get an incl- incline, inclination of that, you just have to stop and ask yourself, do I believe that God does really have his best in mind for me? I mean, really, you could be in the midst of the most horrific circumstances in your life, but we have to stop, and we always stop, and we question God, and we go, why are you doing this to me? Why are you letting this happen? Our fingers start shaking at him almost. When I think if we, we are going to pose the question, I think it should come out a little bit more like this. What is your purpose in this? What do you want me to know in this? God's not going to, you know, smite you. He's not up there going, trying to <laughs> squish us. <laughs> but then, now let me say this, though. Um, God does not control how everyone acts. We have a free will, but the other side of that is true. Other people have a free will as well. Others have a free will. If it wasn't for our free will, which I think we should all be grateful for in one way or another, we wouldn't have the option of getting to know God. We wouldn't have the option of salvation. God would have robots walking around here on this earth. But, so when something comes at us, we can't automatically go to God and blame God. See, I believe that God sees every hurt, and I believe he's right there next to us every step of the way, even if it's something that somebody else is doing. He's, he's hurting right there in the moment, I believe. And he's going, oh, don't worry, don't worry. You're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. I'll get you through this. Trust me. And that's really hard to say. And some of you guys are, are thinking of some really horrific circumstances right now, even as I say that. How can God be watching this happen? He's not going to take control a lot of the times. But he can take it and make something good out of the worst thing. That's the hardest part, though, isn't it? letting go of the controls and, and trusting him. You know, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. But it also says that the devil does what? He, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he might devour. But we have to know, guys, within our knower, our heart and our mind, and we have to lean into his promises, and we believe that they are true because he also says in Romans 8.28 that he works all things good together of those who love them. I mean, do you really, do you know that this morning? Have you heard that? If you haven't heard it, you heard it now. He works all things together for the good of those who love him. Do you love his word? It breathes life, doesn't it? You get into his word and it just, it goes down deep and it nourishes our soul. The Bible says that of itself that it, um, it's penetrating. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It, it's able to pierce between bone and marrow. But do you believe it? Do we really believe? I like what Dr. Del Tackett said in the Truth Project. He said, do you believe that what you, do you really believe that what you believe is really real? <laughs> do you believe, do you really believe that what you believe is really real? 
And if we do, then things would be totally different, right? Our lives would be different. The way we, we process the information that we receive in the word and how God speaks into our lives is going to become more than knowledge and, and gnosko. It's going to be revelation. It's going to be life-changing. And I say gnosko, that's the, the Greek word, right, for knowing within your knower. <laughs> But what happens when it comes in and nourishes us? I think that that maybe you might be feeling kind of empty this morning, and, and maybe you're without a vision. And we know what happens to those without a vision, right? What's the Bible say? They perish. Um, they perish because they don't have hope, and vision stirs hope. There's a saying out there right now that you may have seen. It's all over Facebook. Um, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. <laughs> Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans 12, 2 says to be transformed by having your mind renewed. And we renew our mind by getting that word into us and spending time with him. Like I said before, it nourishes us. It's something that just happens when we come to God and we, we take our word, we open it up, and we ask God to come and minister to us in that time. Because it says at the end of Romans 12, 2, then you will know the acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to start taking advantage of all that God has given us and offered us in Scripture so that we can get out of this valley and we can start walking around in this newness of life. And don't you want that this morning? Don't you want a newness, a freshness this morning? No matter where you're at, maybe you feel like you are walking in the path of God right now. Don't you want a freshness in that? We all want a freshness. But that's our starting point this morning. We don't need to be Christian zombies. We don't need to be dead men walking We're to be alive and living in a relationship with our creator, and that's our starting point. So the written word of God, the spoken word of God, it's got to be in us. So let's ask ourselves right now, when was the last time we actually heard the voice and direction of God in our life? Now, what are those things that are distracting you from those things or hearing hearing it in the first place? Let's play a a little game real quick. Um, I'm going to put up a picture up here on the screen, and I want you to kind of tell me what you think it might be. And we're... That's a scripture. Good job. Got that one. Good job. <laughs> What's this look like? Any, any ideas? What's this? Light? An arm? An eye? A what? An insect's eye? Okay. Yeah. Some of you guys got it. <laughs> a bug eye. Uh, a fly's eye. Yes. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Those are the ones that follow me around all the time. What about this one? A frog? Roots? A heart? A walnut? Someone's brain? Roots? (laughs) It's a walnut. It was shocking, huh? Yeah, it's a walnut. Good job. Here's the point, guys. Sometimes we could look so myopically and so microscopically that we don't recognize things for what they really are. You know, sometimes we need to take a second and step back and look at the whole picture. So we get the point, right? It can be so hard to make sense of things when we're in the midst of them and we look so closely at them and we overanalyze them. But God doesn't only look at the present circumstance. He sees the whole picture. Throughout the Bible, um, he says that he sympathizes and he empathizes with our weakness. And it might not make sense to us, but we see, but we know that he sees the bigger picture. He's God, right? He's God. 
He sees the outcome. He knows the best. And we need to get that perspective, don't we? We need to get that God view. We need to trust in the view of God that we don't necessarily understand the big picture. Now, the scripture that was up here a second ago, Jeremiah 29, 11, which is a very familiar scripture to us. Um, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call on me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found by you, says the Lord. So let me give you two points this morning about knowing God, about knowing God's will, God's view. It's probably going to be hard and it's almost always going to take time. (laughs) Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he has planned for us long ago. There it is again, lined out, going from Psalms. Now we're jumping ahead 500 years almost to, bang. He says it again, I have a plan for you, and I planned it long ago. When Paul wrote this, there were only really a handful of Christians in Ephesus, and uh, they were being persecuted for their faith. And it was uh, basically, if you proclaim Jesus, you're ran out of town. And Ephesians, so doing ministry and having a church in Ephesus was probably going to be pretty difficult. If you look through all, through all people's lives written about in, in the Bible, you're going to find a common theme. They all had difficult lives. Think about the characters right now. They're just popping up in your head. You're thinking throughout the Bible, David, Joseph, Abraham, Isaac. Well, there's a hard one. Isaac, um, you know, Paul, Jesus. They all face some difficult circumstances. Jesus even promises it to his followers. He says that in this world, you'll what? You're going to have trouble, right? But take heart because he's overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And then in the end, really, each one of these people made a specific impact in the kingdom of God. Number two, God's mission for life is almost always going to take time. And there's Jeremiah 29, 11 again. For I know the thoughts, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, the plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, we use this scripture all the time. In fact, when I go to bed at night and I put the kids down to bed, um, I've always prayed the scripture over them. And uh, if I forget it, they let me know, you know Daddy, you forgot hope in the future. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, it's so cute. But I want them to know that, that no matter what happens, he's got a hope and he's got a future for us. They need to know that God has a plan for their life, and that he loves them without measure. But let me give you this context in verse, because otherwise it's just kind of pretext, isn't it? <laughs> it was written to the Israelites while they were captive in Babylon. Not only that, there were, I mean, their worst nightmare had come true, and, and they'd been taken from their homeland and dragged to another country that believed in different gods, completely different gods. So on top of that, it, it, the previous verse, it says that they would be there for like 70 years. <laughs> 70 years in a foreign land, in captivity, being tortured. That means some of, a lot of them were probably going to die in this foreign land. <laughs> That's a lot of time. A lot of, that means a lot of people wouldn't even see the next generation. The problem is, is that a lot of us crave this instant gratification, don't we? We crave this, this hope in the future, and it's good to have that hope, but we want, the, we want hope to come now. And, uh, boy, I'm going to just take a little split here because in, in Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. If we have faith in the Scripture... The Bible says that now faith is. 
It says that now, that goes into the future and brings the future to the now. Hope is future, right? You following me? Hope is in the future. That's something that we hope for, but now faith is. So we proclaim it now in the name of Jesus that God has a, a purpose for us in the future, but we want it now. <laughs> There's some things that we can proclaim in the, in the presence of God, and we say, God, uh, your will be done now. And in faith, I believe your, your will will be done now. Uh, it's a step of faith. You know, we're upset if the Internet takes 30 minutes, don't, aren't we? I don't know about you this week. If you're on this end of the valley, the Internet was horrible. <laughs> the cell phones were horrible. The servers was driving me nuts. And, and some of us, sometimes we get upset because uh, we don't text back right away. Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't he texting me back? He must be mad at me. <laughs> or fast food. You know, we get upset if McDonald's takes more than 30 seconds. And they're, they're pretty fast. They're the fastest place up here in the mountain. Not that I would know. But... Um, <laughs> But as you really, as you look through Scripture, you're going to see that God did powerful things through the people in people's lives because they were perseverant and they were patient for His timing, and they proclaimed in the name of Jesus, or they proclaimed the things that they knew in Scripture. They say, "God, you're faithful," and now faith is. And they were, they were part again of a major advancement of the kingdom of God. So, we're going to play this game one last time, and I'm going to I'm going to shut up. You guys can stop beating me, and I'm going to pass it over to. No, I'm just kidding. You guys have been great. You guys have been great. Um, but let's look at this. this. Let's play this game one more time. What's this look like to you? Google Maps? <laughs> Church? Yeah, Big Bear Christian Center. We're part of the body of Christ in the east end of the Big Bear Valley. In Big Bear City, they're near a city of subdivisions of Sugarloaf near Irwin Lake. And they're not bound by these lines. They're a fellowship of believers full of people that love God. They come from all different areas and struggles of life, and together they're moving the kingdom forward, reaching into the valley with the love of God to see God's hand move and see people's lives be set free. And he's not stopping there. From here, he's going to send out people from here, not only into the valley, but he will send them forth to touch countries, their counties and cities and states and countries and the world. And here we are this morning. Think about this. This morning, I believe he comes to us, and he, he comes right back to this moment in time. And I believe he's saying to us this morning, once again to the people of Big Bear Christian Center, listen, I am not done. I am not done with you yet. You have gone through hard times, but I have a purpose and a plan for you, a plan and a purpose to prosper you and to protect you and to make you successful. And I'm not going to leave you because my presence is here. You cannot do this alone, and my plan for you is huge, and it's epic, so grow together. Foster relationship together. Learn together, and prepare yourselves for when I move, who can stop it? Father, we trust in you this morning. We know that you have a purpose and a plan that's beyond our imagination. God, and I thank you that you're taking us on the steps to get there. Whatever that might be, however it may come, God, we trust, and we put our faith now in the future and the hope of what you have in store for us, God. We put our faith in our, our lives, our trust in you. God, we know that you have a purpose for us. That's beyond our imagination, God. Wherever we are at this morning, if we struggle with that, God, I pray that you would increase our faith this morning to understanding that, uh, that your, your plan for us is epic and that your plan for us is specific in the kingdom of God. God, we rely on that. We fall into that. We trust in you in Jesus' name.
God has, he really does have an epic plan for each of us. And I look around, even the people in guest meeting this morning, God has a plan. He has a hope, a future. I see the young people and think of the young people next door. Their lives are, are ahead of them. And it's really easy just to go, you know, well, God's got something for them, but I think it's too late for me. It's not too late. God is not done with you. He is not done with me. Jeremiah 29, 11. Ed was talking about that. Here in the midst of difficulty, captivity, of bondage, where the answer wasn't coming for years, God still says, I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. Church, we need to know this. We need to understand that God is good. That Romans 8.28 is true, that he works all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we're all looking to know God and his will for us. We're all looking to say, God, what is your plan? What do you have for me? As, a, as an individual, I pray, pray that plan. As a pastor, I pray, God, what is your plan? What is your purpose for this church? He's not done. At times, it's hard to discern the perfect will of God for our lives. To know the difference between the perfect will and the acceptable will of God for our lives. I think all of us would be able to agree that there are times in our lives in the past that we have stepped out of the will of God and maybe walked into that acceptable will of God that we have disobeyed even. That there were times that says this has it, this wasn't the perfect will of God. It's not the acceptable will of God. It was just outside of God's will. And he calls us and he redeems us and doesn't just go, oh, I guess I got to try to do something. He makes your life amazing, incredible, and he blesses it. The, the power of redemption in the Bible is that God's redemption is beyond repair. It's better than just putting it back together. I think of Job, who through that time of trial and struggle was blessed with more than what he had at the beginning. God's redemption is incredible. It's beyond just fixing something and hope it doesn't break and hope it's okay. There are times in life that we see things and we go, we absolutely know that those are outside of the will of God. Is it God's will that children grow up in a family full of strife and addiction? At times that their little lives are shattered by violence and neglect. I can say I don't believe that that is God's perfect or acceptable will for their lives. And yet it happens. Yet God in his sovereignty takes those situations and he creates amazingness. It's a great word, amazingness. It's when God creates that and out of the ashes comes something beautiful. He brings overcomers from those situations. He creates healed healers. Those who bring healing in life to others because they themselves have been healed. God is a redeemer. From those ashes, he 
brings people that have compassion and insight for the hurting. Or he, he puts in a heart of somebody who's gone through the fire and something that we know is outside of God's will and he gives them a passion to see different lives for others. And they become world changers. Catalysts of change because of their understanding of difficulties. I think about Abraham. Abraham and Isaac. We know the story. God told Abraham. Abram at the time, he told him the plan. I'm going to give to you an inheritance out of your body. But Abraham didn't concede. He Not fully. He was swayed. And we know the story with Abraham. He had a child with his servant girl, Hagar. Outside of the perfect will and produced a different offspring, Ishmael. And God had to come and say, that wasn't the plan. And so he still had Isaac. And then we see that Isaac was God's will for Abraham to create the offspring, the Jewish nation, which which Jesus was part of that and salvation has come to us. So so, yes, Abraham walked out and he blew it. And we know that 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 was not in the will of God. For Abraham. Go down a couple of generations to Jacob, the son of Isaac. He had 12 sons. Right there, I might have to question whether that was God's will. I've got three boys and I think nine more. Three boys and a girl. You know, the account is that Jacob had 12 sons and a daughter and Benjamin was the baby. But Joseph was dad's favorite. You know, Joseph had that special place. And so the brothers didn't exactly like Joseph. He wasn't their favorite of the litter. When you have that many, it's a litter, I think. (laughs) You know, being dad's favorite caused no little irritation with his brothers. And on top of that, Joseph kept having these dreams. Remember the dreams that Joseph had? These dreams about the stars and the sun and the moon bowing down and the sheaves of grain bowing down. Joseph had dreams that his brothers and even mom and dad would bow down and serve him. And he was dumb because he told them that. So made the guys pretty hot. And then dad rubbed a little salt and it made Joseph that beautiful coat. And so the other ten, they just had it. They were out in the fields. Joseph came looking for them. And after a while, he found them. And they were about done with their younger brother. So they plotted to kill him. I grew up family of five four brothers and I, I i remember these times them plotting to kill me i am the youngest but 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 gary i think was reuben he tried to save him reuben thought okay this is not going good but he didn't want to fully 
intervene. So he just says, hey, let's just throw him in the pit. And he thought, you know, we got to do something, you know, but, but throw him in the pit. I'm going to come back later and rescue him and bring him back to that was Reuben's plan. But while Reuben was apparently not there, Judah, Judah sees this caravan coming down the road. And he says, let's, let's sell him into slavery. I think Jay would have done that to me. Joseph, <laughs> Joseph goes into Egypt and becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. Then he's accused of being seductive with the wife. Now, he should have been killed for that. A slave seducing an Egyptian woman. But he wasn't killed. They was put in prison. And then from the prison, he sat there alone and he became the ruler of the prison, but forgotten until finally they needed him. Pharaoh had a dream that needed interpretation. And he says, oh, yeah, that's right. There's a guy in prison. Joseph, he's your guy for this one. You know, Joseph saw the famine coming. God gave him the solution and became the leader of all Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. You know, there was a long journey to get Joseph where God wanted him to be. And Joseph then became the savior of all Israel when the famine came. And the famine brought with it Jacob's family looking for food. And that's how the children of Israel ended up in Egypt, safe from famine. I want to go back. When you read the account in Genesis, it was a band of traders that came and they sold Judah. Judah saw them. And he said, Use them. You ever paid attention to what, where those traders were from? Who they were? The Bible says they were Ishmaelite. Ishmael was not part of God's purpose. It was not part of God's plan. But God says, I don't waste anything. I don't waste anything. I don't waste your hurt. I don't waste your mistakes. I don't waste anything. So God used a mistake to bring Joseph to the place that God needed him to be. I don't even know if it was God's perfect will that that's how Joseph got to Egypt. We knew that he was going to go to Egypt. Maybe there was another plan. Does that meddle with you? It does a little bit with me. We go, wait a second. Was that God's plan? I don't know. But what we see is that no matter what we do, God can take our circumstances and bring about his glory, his will. There is nothing you can do that can mess the plan of God up beyond repair. God never sits back and wrings his hand and says, oh, my, what am I going to do now? He's in control. Oh, thank God. When you woke up this morning, you were reminded that a bill was late or something catastrophic, really catastrophic happened. God didn't fall off the throne and say, I didn't see that one coming.
So Joseph, God uses different pieces, whether they were of the will of God or not. He brings the pieces together and he gets his people into Egypt to save them. But then 400 years later, Egypt's not the place for him, for them any longer. And they have to leave Egypt. And so he brings them out and they wander in the desert and they bring them into the promised land. And they're there for some time. And then they are removed from their land and they're brought into captivity to Babylon. And we see Jeremiah 29, 11. I still know the plans I have for you. And they're still good. Wait a second. You brought us out of our land that God showed Abraham. Says you can't be there anymore. Took him to Egypt. And then he says, now you got to leave Egypt. Go into another land. And then he brought him over the river into the promised land. Built the kingdom. They're taken out of the promised land. And all those things, God says, I still am on the throne. And I have a plan and a purpose for you. Can you look at your life and say, that sounds like me. And say, God. You've got a plan for me. You've got a purpose for me. There's hope. And it's not just the hope that we get, that you get when you go into Circle K and say, five scratchers, please. That's not hope. That's a pipe dream. Somebody once told me that the lottery is just a tax for dumb people. That's not hope. The hope that God gives is secure. It, we don't know what it looks like, but we know it's good. And we know it's coming. God loves his people. Can you agree with that this morning? And he doesn't waste anything. Nothing. You know, my sister-in-law, who went home to Jesus about 13 years ago, you know, I thought she didn't waste anything. She'd find something and she'd put it in her yard or in her shed. And, and she, she used everything. And she'd say, I can use this someday. And she did. I, I remember going to her times needing like an obscure screw or something. And going, hey, Dottie, do you have? And she goes, yeah. And she'd go out the back door and she'd walk through the aisles of stuff and she would find the screw or whatever I needed. She knew where it was. I could have never found it. And she'd say, presto. Can I say that in church? Presto. She'd find it for me. You know, God is like that, but so much better. He finds something. A missed opportunity, a poor choice, a difficult situation. And down the road, he represents us with it. And he says, remember that? Well, I'm using that to prepare you for this. Hey, Abraham, remember that Hagar thing? You know, Ishmael? I'm going to use that. Oh, it wasn't good, but I can use it. Watch. Hey, Judah, there's some Ishmaelite traders. Don't kill your brother. Sell him into slavery. I'm going to use this. I'm not wasting anything. Potiphar, you think you're in charge? 
I'm not done with Joseph. You can't have him killed. I'm not done with him. He uses this. He uses that. He stirs a heart. He hardens a heart there to have his will accomplished. Why? Because God will have his way and his purpose. It goes so much better, though, sometimes much quicker if we just seek him from the beginning. You don't have to make the wrong choices. But when we do, God is the redeemer. And he will have his way and purpose in our lives and in your life, in the lives of this church. And he will have it quickly if we seek him, if we yield to him, if we allow him to be God, if we're faithful. In just a moment, I'm going to warn you, there's going to be kids coming in and they're going to come and sit around. And if you're a parent of them, just bring them in and have them sit with you. Um, okay, little babies too are coming. So the whole church is going to be together. And I want to tell you, you know, church visitors get to be with us for just a moment in some, some personal house, house stuff, if you will, connected to this message. Church, you have a great official board in this church. It's made up of an elder board and a separate financial board. And I want to tell you it's a blessing and privilege to have this group of people committed to the Lord and to, vi- and to the vision of this church and to reach this valley. It's a board that's committed to make disciples and help people find life, healing, hope, to help people get connected into communities of believers that love and support each other, to help people grow one step closer to Jesus because that's what God is calling each and every one of us to, to personally grow closer to him and to take everyone we come in contact with and help them grow one step closer to Jesus. We started this year with a trimmed down and reduced budget. For, for those of you who remember, we cut last year. We trimmed our budget down. And we as the financial board, we looked back. We looked at the giving, studied the trends, and we put together a budget based below last year what we thought the income would be for the year. It was actually below. We really wanted to be responsible. In the church right now, people are being ministered to through life groups and Sunday services and youth group and one-on-one relationship and discipleship. And the body of Christ is growing. At the same time, we've been taking care of business. The facility is, is, there's things that need to be done. We're not just keeping it up, but we're actually doing projects. Life groups have gotten together and remodeled rooms and we have vision and we're doing things still. The IYG Cafe, the baby nursery mom's room started sprucing up the back area next year we can have, we'll do picnics and potlucks parking lots that if we don't resurface them every year they'll fall apart so we've done all these things this year we've continued moving moving ahead all the while the board has kept an eye on both the spending of the church and the income kind of giving a little financial report here the spending and the income you know the income is the giving of the church And so I want to say that I believe we have a faithful body here. We're a group of people, of God's people, that are committed to the Lord and committed to each other. We give, we serve, we tithe. Like I said, the board watches this. 
regularly. You watch the financial situation closely. And about six months ago, they took notice of what seemed like a change. A drop in the monthly giving, and it wasn't just an occasional. It looked like there was a, just a change. And that what the, the average giving was here, it was down here. And there was a couple of months in there that the giving was up, and we said, okay, well, maybe it's, it's not down. But we realized by, again, studying and looking at it, that there was a different trend in, the, in Christian Center, and that the, that the giving is down, and we forecasted out what that's, that could look like. Welcome, kids. We forecasted that out, what, what it's going to look like to the end of the year and then into the next year. So after bringing the elder board into the situation and a lot of prayer, we came to the very difficult decision that the budget had to be reduced substantially for 2014 and that that cut would be a staff position. On October 2nd, we made the decision to cut the position of Youth Worship Administration. Because we're family. I'm going to stay on my script that I wrote. On October 3rd. Thanks, Megan. On, uh, the very next day, I met with Ed to let him know that as of November 15th, his paid staff position was being concluded. I used that word concluded. I looked, what word is right? And I used it purposefully. Because Ed is faithful. He's not being fired. He's not being terminated. It's no other reason outside of a financial one. We have to be responsible. And so we're having a hard time in doing this, as you can see. But we believe that it's the, the, the right thing and the best thing. And it's gotten a lot of counsel and, and prayer. As of November 15th, his paid staff position will be concluded, at which point we'll compensate him for an additional six weeks severance pay. During that time, he'll have complete freedom and ability to continue looking and to find the place that God will bring them to. To be able to conduct interviews, possibly travel to other churches for candidating process. You can go right here. Everything that we shared this morning, I believe, is, is true. You know, God's word is true. It's, he's faithful. It will not return void. And, you're right, it is easier to sit down. <laughs> um,
I don't know what to say except that um, we've we've gone through a lot. Been here a long time with Christian Center. Be here through the end of the year at, at least, I, I believe. Um, but I also believe that God um, is probably calling us outside of Big Bear for the time being. So as it stands right now, it's the Big Bear is pretty saturated with churches. So trying to trying to find another staff position at a church up here would be pretty difficult. But um, I believe that God has called me into full time ministry. Um, and so even to stay would be difficult, and I, I wouldn't want to <laughs> um, to do that to us. But I believe that Christian Center has a call uh, on it, and I believe that the the word that he gave me that I spoke at the end of my, my section there is true, and that he is sending us forth into the, the valley, the country, the county, the world, and, and people go from here, and they're still going from here. We've sent lots of people all over the world to do um, missionary work, and uh, we're still connected to people. And in Guatemala and, and Mexico, um, just all over the world. And so um, I'm excited about what God has for the future of Christian Center, and it's unfortunate that I can't be around to be a part of that for the time being. Um, so now youth, my youth guys, don't worry. <laughs> youth group isn't shutting down. <laughs> youth group is sticking around. And IYG, um, our leaders, we're going uh, to be pursuing, you know, how that, how that looks in the future and God's hand is still going to be on that and in that. And uh, you guys are, you know, it's not just about uh, me in the youth ministry here. It's about you guys making a difference in the world, and you guys are. Um, and with the help of the, the adult leaders that we have, um, they're going to spur you forward. They're going to support you. I'm going to support you even if I'm not in, here in town, you know. <laughs> we'll stay in touch. Um, but that, that's, that's down the road. We're still going to acquire the fire in two weeks. We got exciting things happening in the youth group, and that's it's going to continue happening. Guys, don't don't get too discouraged here. I think we got a, we got a big hope in the future. So tag. <laughs> um, you know that that's it. You, when, when I first talked to Ed, um, you know, one of the first things he said he he wouldn't he wouldn't if he wasn't going to be here at Christian Center, he wouldn't be on staff at another local church. His hearts hearts here, but in this process. Um, I look what God's been doing. God has used Ed. See, God's not taken by surprise. I am. Um, Ed, Ed and Una are. I'm not going to look at Una. Um, but w- we are, we're, we're hopeful, but not just hopeful like, oh, God, I hope you can do something. Inside, there's really a stirring that God is going to do something Big and good. Um, Ed has got a calling on his life, and he's gifted. And there's even been some prophetic pictures and visions of what this time is going to be. It not, Nothing of the future diminishes what he's done here or what we're going to do. See, God has a plan for us, and God has a plan for him. Now, apparently, that's not the same place right now. But but God is on the throne, and, and you, you can see, um, and, and I want to say that, w- that we gave them freedom to just be how they wanted and tell or not tell, and their hearts from the very beginning were, you know, we love you guys, and we want to support the church. We want to support what's going here. And they've been uh, it seem- seemingly more concerned about how we were going to do than, than how they're going to do. And, but God's already beginning to open up prospects in other in other places and so um 
that is going to continue on. The leadership, we've been talking, praying, meeting. God's putting together plans for the future. Over the course of this last year, God, maybe a year and a half, but I think about, about a year, God put together a, a leadership team for youth, and it's we, they are our youth staff. They're unpaid staff. It, it consists of Kaja and Zane Bowman, of, of Sarah Hastings, of Jesse Rogers, who's in Hawaii. She knows. Um, they were on the phone last night. Um, Katie's here every week. There's, there's adult helpers. There's youth staff. And he's been putting together something that's unheard of in a small church to have such a strong leadership, adults and things. And we go, okay, God, now we know that, th- that there's still this leadership within the church with, with these kids. And we don't know. Uh, we're, we're laying out the process exactly of how that's going to happen. So um, there's probably going to be some questions. And we're going to let you do those via come in and talk to us, um, email. I'm going to ask you each as uh, as you leave, as we leave, um, direct people back to listen to this online rather than just trying to explain everything. I, I really encourage you to do that first so they can hear it here. And then for questions and other things, direct them right back to, to the leadership. Um, you know, God is not done here by a long shot. He has called this church to be a light in the darkness, in this valley. And I don't know if, if you've realized we're the, we are the only church in this whole area. I mean, you could draw within a few miles. We're the closest. We have this area in Irwin Lake and Lake Williams and Shea Meadows right here. God is calling us to reach them. So we are not done. We're, we are moving forward. And in God, it's going to be a, a situation like this. And so I'm sad can't explain how you can be sad and excited at the same time. This is the best picture. Do you remember when you went off and left high school and maybe went to college? You're, ex- you're sad because it's change and, and you don't really want to leave, but then there's this excitement of something new. The new doesn't diminish the old, but if you're held back by the old, then you'll never have a future. We will not be held back. We're going to move forward, and God will take everything and do amazing things, just like we said, in you and in us. We're going to spend the next three days together. This is amazing. At this conference, we're going, we've been planning to go to a conference. Um, the one who's coming up on Saturday, we get to, it's not a conference. It's actually a three-day intensive master's-level college class, master's-level class that gives us an entire quarter of, of teaching in three days. So pray that we won't die just from the overload. We're going together, the four of us. We're going to spend our time together. The irony of it is it's on repentance and forgiveness. So we'll have to see if we have to repent and they forgive us. But we're going to go to that for the next three days. So, so we're going to be unavailable for three days. We won't be checking emails. Uh, the leaders will know how to get a hold of us if, if life is burning down. But... Uh, but um, uh, we'll be back in the office on Thursday. Feel free to, to you can email us. We'll, we'll start emailing and setting up any, any things. Um, have hope. When I preach this message, it's a real message. It's a real, man, God is amazing, and he is not done. And uh, right after this service, right after this service, the youth are staying here. We bribed them with pizza and a movie.
And so they're going to be hanging out and celebrating with with uh, with Ed and 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 the group here. Um, and you know, stay stay and visit. But there's tears. The scripture is though the um, though the sorrow may last for the night, the joy comes in the morning. And uh, there's a sorrowness, but it's full of hope. So um, I want to, and I know that it's shocking for some of you. Um, you know, can, can we just close this in prayer? Because if we don't want the enemy to get in here at all. Okay. Uh, Lord, we go through these personal times of, of maybe a, a, the dark night of the soul and, and we things come up and we question. Father, as a, as a congregation, that's, that's where we're at. Lord, we can't spin it and get rid of our emotions. So, Lord, help us to, to wade through our emotions and thoughts. And, Lord, I would pray that each and every one, for each and every one of us, you would show us your truth. God, we, we reject lies. We reject any thoughts that cause division or animosity. Lord, you know the hearts. You know Shannon and I's hearts for Ed and Una. You know, you know their hearts for us. God, I thank you that in this time that, that uh, you've really just even brought us closer. You know that you have a plan for Ed and Una as they go. Show us how we can support them and love them. Be on their team. And Lord, also I would pray that you would show us how to move, continue to, to move forward in this congregation, making room for you to be God. We thank you for your provision and your supply in our lives and in their lives, personally and corporately. God, have our thoughts be your thoughts. We silence words that would cause division. And we, we just love you and love your truth and love your ways. God, and I thank you for this amazing congregation at Big Bear Christian Center. Help us through the hurt and then show us your light. In Jesus' name, amen. I think we have a scripture. Psalm 32, 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. We love you.